Welcome to Tell Me More Live, the recorded version of our live storytelling night at the Push Comedy Theater in Norfolk, Virginia. In this recording, Melissa Kennedy shares how there's more than one way to bury a cat. Hello. I love cats a lot, but I'm not a cat lady, just a few degrees removed on that. And in the spring of 2011, I was down to just one cat. My beloved Siamese cat had passed away the December before. His name was Rex. And now it was just me and Razmadelia. Razzie was a black, furball, sweet little neurotic cat. And she and Rex had been my constant companions through all of my 20s, through all of college, through my years in New Orleans. And they had been my constants while I had been in a long-term, less-than-ideal relationship. And now, as I was in my 31st year, it was just Razzie and I. And she was very, very sick. Uh, She'd been sick for a little while, and the Thursday before the story happened, it had become obvious that she probably needed to have an appointment with the vet. And it was more than likely going to be the appointment with the vet. But a call to the vet's office uh, led me to understand that they couldn't see her until Tuesday. So we had to get from Thursday to the following Tuesday, which is hard with a sick cat who is your companion. The other hard part was that I had to go and dance, belly dance, in Fredericksburg on Saturday. And there really wasn't much of a way for me to get out of this because the troupe that I was dancing with was a group troupe, and you had to have everybody there for the performance to go off. So if one person's missing, then nobody can really dance unless you wing it, and that usually doesn't work out very well. So when I left to go to work on Friday morning, Razzie was still hanging in there. Um, She wasn't doing great still, but she was peaceful. And by the time I got off of work and did all the running around that I needed to do to prepare for the dance the next morning, it was probably about 11 o'clock by the time I got home. And I go upstairs to my room, and I check around, and I can't find her. Um, She never really left my room because she was so incredibly neurotic. Uh, But it wasn't unusual for her to kind of take herself away and hide for a while. So as I'm running around frantically packing my bags so that I had everything to be at the studio at 6.30 in the morning, finishing sewing all the little tiny bits onto the belly dance costume and cleaning my bathroom, which needed to be done, um, I went over to where I had laundry piled because that time of my life, laundry lived in two places, three actually, the dirty clothes basket on the other side of my bed or in the clean basket. And being that it was April in Virginia, you never quite knew what the weather was going to be doing. And at that time, the weather had been nice and balmy. We were expecting a chill that weekend and it was expected to be 90 degrees by Wednesday. (laughs) So I go to the laundry basket where my black wool coat is so that I can pack it and take it with me. 
and as I blindly reach into the basket, my hand touches something, and I realize that my hand is on Razzie, and I realize that she's not moving, and I realize that she's dead, and so for a few seconds, the first thing that happens is time stands absolutely still. And a hundred thoughts go through your mind. The first one in mind was, shit, 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 Followed immediately by the type of crying that can only be described as blind, ugly, release crying. But at the same time, I'm also very aware that I am, I have a task that I have to get done, and now I have another task that I have to get done. And so in the five minutes that followed while I sit there and not picking her up, but still sitting in close proximity to her, trying to come to terms with how she has unexpectedly departed, I have to come up with a plan. Because the easiest way for me to work through hard situations is action. Freedom through action. So the first thing I do is I call one of my best friends for the past 20 years, Rebecca. And I'm a blubbering mess, and all she hears me say is, Razzie's dead, I need you here now. And she says, I'm on my way. So when she gets to my house and she lets herself in, comes upstairs to my room, Razzie is still over in the laundry basket on her final resting place of my black coat. I'm sitting on the end of my bed, furiously sewing as fast as I can because I needed something to keep myself busy. And Rebecca comes and sits next to me, and she puts her arm around me, and she says, what do we need to do? And I say, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. We have, to, we have to do something with her. She, she can't stay there. So we start running through the ideas of what we were going to do. Because I'd known that she was going to be sick, I had made arrangements with my mom for the possibility of burying her in her front yard. The house I was living in was a rental. Nobody wants to bury their pet in a rental property. My mom lived right around the corner from where we were staying. But at this point, it was about midnight. And the last thing I wanted to do was to have the neighborhood woken up by all the dogs and my mom come outside and us have to have a discussion about why I'm burying the cat in her front yard at now 1 o'clock in the morning. It's just more than I could handle at that point. So the next suggestion was, why don't we bury the cat in my backyard? Yes, it's a rental. Yes, it's less than ideal. But I had a dog, and my roommates had a dog. And both of these dogs liked to dig. That was not going to end well either. So the next option was, well, could we put her in the trash can? Because sometimes that's your only choice. But that wasn't going to be an option, not only because that's the last thing I would ever want to do with her, but also because it was going to be 90 degrees by Wednesday and trash wasn't coming until Friday. <laughs> not an option. The next possibility was maybe we could put her in the freezer. This was a possibility because the house I was living in was large enough that we had a butler pantry, which happened to have an extra fridge that usually housed just beer. And so there wasn't too much usually in the freezer. 
Um, and also, I was a biology major, and, and in, in, doing, in doing this um, in my studies, there were instances where there might have been small dead animals in my mom's freezer from time to time. So it was not unheard of, but Rebecca and I agreed that my roommates would not appreciate coming home to finding Razzie in the freezer. So now we're at another impasse. We have no idea what to do with this poor Razzie. The house that we were living in in Hampton has, um, it was, had deep water access. The neighborhood itself is actually an island. It's a tidal island. But at high tide, when you drive across the bridge to Grandview Island, you are on a legitimate island. Because the house had deep water access, the canal at back fed directly into the Chesapeake Bay. So, being slightly theatrical, we decided that maybe maybe we could find something that floated. And we could put a shrine on this floating thing and we could push her out. The tide was on its way out and it would carry Razzie out to sea and it would be a beautiful story. But we were far enough down the canal that she would have to pass numerous houses before she got to the sea. And more than likely, she would wind up washing into someone's yard where there was maybe a 10-year-old boy who would have one of his first biology lessons with my cat, and I couldn't have that happen either. So the thought progressed. Well, what if we put her on something that floated, but before we pushed her out to sea, we lit it on fire? In the style of a Viking funeral. The problem with that was across the Deepwater Access Canal was a nature preserve. (laughs) So my trip to D.C. to go dance would be delayed further when tomorrow's headline read, Girls Flaming Pussy Sets Marsh on Fire. (laughs) So we've run that gamut. The next thing is... How did people dispose of bodies on the crime shows? (laughs) One of the number one places they seemed to always be finding bodies on CSI was in dumpsters. At the time, I was working in the legal field, as was Rebecca, and we regularly had to go in front of the judges in the Hampton General District and circuit courts. And we both agreed that we also knew that most places with a dumpster had a video feed on it, and eventually there was a pretty good chance that we might get caught and have to go in front of one of the judges and explain why we were disposing of a body at 1 o'clock in the morning on a Friday, which is illegal even if it is a cat. So we were left with a final option, and it was to dispose of the body mafiosa style. Because Grandview Island is an island, and there is a bridge that you must cross over. And being a biology major, there was a certain appeal to ashes to ashes and the circle of life and returning her in some way from the stars that we all come from. But in order to do this, we had to make sure that we were going to be disposing of her properly. So we got the prettiest towel that I had, a very, very soft, fluffy blue towel, wrapped her in the towel. I made my dog Stella come over and say goodbye to her. We carried her down the stairs, and now we had to find something to weight her down with. (laughs) Luckily, there was a little border around our flower bed, and we got a brick from that, used the string, tied the string to it, and made our way down to the bridge. 
this point it's one o'clock in the morning. And we thought we'd have the bridge all to ourselves. But apparently the Hampton police had decided that they needed to patrol the area. <laughs> there was something afoot. So we ended up pulling into one of the neighbor's driveway and waiting for the cops to make one, two, three passes. And when it seemed we had a clear, what was supposed to be a journey to the bridge where Rebecca and I would both get out, say words, and then send Razzie over, ended up being a speedy trip to the bridge with me jumping out of the car, holding her one last time and saying, Razzie, I love you, and then throwing her over. And as she plopped. But... The beautiful thing about it is now every time I go to visit my mom, I get to drive over the bridge and I get to say hello to Razzie. So freedom through action can be a beautiful thing. Thank you. That was Melissa Kennedy on Last Minute Burial Plans. Thanks for sharing your story, Melissa. I'm Deb Markham, and you've been listening to Tell Me More Live. If you'd like to join us at the live event or help out in any way, visit tellmemorelive.org where you'll find our online submission and contact forms, a schedule of upcoming shows, and more Storyteller podcasts. Thanks for listening, and remember, a happy ending always depends on where the story ends. <laughs>